A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rise and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophets, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage, and they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Like we spoke about a little bit earlier with the Magi and Epiphany, that uh, we have a certain amount of kind of flexibility to be able to shift or move certain things. However, there are certain things that we can't move or shift. We experienced this as well with, uh, during COVID time, right? That the bishops had the authority to be able to dispense us from the Sunday Mass obligation, but they're not, obli- they're not able to dispense us from the obligation to keep holy the Sabbath, right? Keeping holy the Sabbath is a divine law that we have to do whether we're able to go to Mass or not, right? Whether on a ship or, whether, uh, uh, or in other places, like in COVID, when we weren't able to come to Mass because... Mass, public mass wasn't offered, right? So there are certain things that are kind of set in there and other things that aren't. I think you've probably experienced a similar experience, uh, uh, a similar experience in your house when trying to set up Christmas decorations. There are certain things that you can shift and move around. I know for our house, it was always a discussion of whether the Christmas tree worked better in this corner or that corner and where we should move this couch. And of course, you know, sometimes you'd get it one way and then you'd have to move it again. And But there are certain things in your house that weren't able to be moved, such as the placement of a window or the placement of, you know, a wall, right? There are certain things that can't be moved, but there are certain things that can or even be taken out for a short amount of time. And so we recognize that within, uh, within the church and, and uh, within also the liturgy itself. And so I'd like to talk a little bit more about, uh, about within the Mass, there are certain things that we kind of shift and change and move, uh, hopefully to help us to be able to pray more and hopefully get us to understand. So one of the things that I'll, I'll kind of say is there's this phrase, if, if you haven't noticed, one of the other things I'll kind of give note of is that the, the way in which we celebrate Mass is really important. I hope you notice that in the way that I approach it, as well as the way that I try to explain it, right? I want you to be able to know what we're doing. 
partly because I, I think a lot of the times I grew up not knowing what was happening or what was doing. And so it, there was a huge disconnect. And I was kind of like, well, we just have to get through it. And, uh, and I knew, you know, what, what needed to get done and where we were in the Mass, mostly because I knew how close it was to the end, okay? Not because I understood at all the context or anything else of that. And I think that helping to understand what's actually happening helps us to be able to engage, to be able to help us to, to be able to love and to be able to pray it in a greater way. And so there's this uh, Latin phrase that goes lex orendi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. Now, of course, you all know what that means, obviously, right? You all, uh, no, it's a Latin phrase. And loosely kind of translated, it means basically how we pray, lex orendi, how we pray affects how we believe, right? What we believe. And that affects how, how we live, Okay. So a lot of the times we kind of think, well, we believe in certain things and that's how we you know, live and that's how we pray and other things. But actually what we recognize is that the way that we pray affects how we believe, how we interact with God, right? The fact that we pray the Gloria every single week, we might not understand it, but how we pray that, we realize that it's important. We pray the creed, that helps us. We recognize that, that we have a posture of humility, and so we kneel, right? The way in which we worship and pray affects what we believe. One of the clearest examples is if you stop praying, you'll, it will very clearly and directly and quickly lead you into not believing anymore, right? How we pray, whether we pray, and how we pray affects what we believe and how we live. And so it's important that the way in which we celebrate this Mass is not something that it doesn't really matter, but it does matter because the way in which we pray, the way in which we approach this altar, the way in which we engage within the Mass and the prayer of the church affects what we believe. What we believe about God, what we believe about the church, what we believe about one another. And so we want to be able to be formed by the Mass and be formed by the Church to be formed in our way of uh, belief and ultimately of living. And so I'd like to touch on one specific part of the Mass, which has actually been omitted more recently, uh, partly because of COVID. And it's called uh, the Rite of Peace, sometimes talked about as the Kiss of Peace or uh, and you kind of, the, how you know this is it's, it's the time when they say, you know, let us offer each other a sign of peace. And then you, you shake, you know, the hands of people around you and you're like, hey, how's it going? Hey, yeah, okay. And then brothers try to squeeze each other's hands and try to crush it, right, or other things. Um, that's not exactly the intention of the right of peace, okay? Um, and so I'd like to talk about that a little bit. And, and if we just kind of experience it, as something, as kind of a break in the mass, to be able to say hi to our, our neighbor or to reconcile with our family, that's actually not the intention of the prayer or the intention of what's happening. Now, how do we know what the intention is, right? How do we know what it's supposed to be? Well, we look at it throughout history and we kind of see the way in which it's developed. And we also see that there's other immovable walls and maybe other things that other people have tried. So one of the cool things within the Catholic Church, there's actually one of the, there's other rites that are within the Catholic Church. And so we experience a Latin rite, the Novus Ordo Mass. Uh, and 
we experience that, and that's where most of, the t- most of what you'll experience. If you go out in Japan, you'll experience the same exact mass, except for in a different language. And it has the same order, and it has the same instruction, and it tells us the same way. There are other churches in the Catholic Church that fall within the Catholic Church, and that have full communion with the Pope and the sacraments, that have mass different. One of them is, uh, there's actually 21 Eastern churches within the Catholic Church. Now there's Byzantine, like, there's Byzantine Orthodox, there's also Byzantine Catholic. And they actually have the same liturgies, but one is in communion with Rome and one isn't, right? Byzantine Orthodox versus Byzantine Catholic. And you, as Catholic, could go to the Byzantine Catholic Mass, which will look completely different, and receive communion. And they do things a little bit different. Well, one of the things that I'd like to touch on is, is uh, two different ways in which the, the rite of peace is used. One is there's actually a rite in Milan. It's part of the Latin church. It's not actually a separate kind of like the Byzantine Eastern rite, but it's one of the liturgies that's actually been maintained since Trent. It's a whole story about Latin liturgy and everything else and why it was able to be maintained. But Milan is in northern Italy. And the Mass is very similar to the way in which we celebrate it. However, there's one key distinction that at least I know of. I was able to go there one time, and it's very strange, because right after the homily, instead of you know, getting into the offertory, one thing that they do is actually before that, they do the communion rite. So they actually pray the Our Father, and then they give the sign of peace. They give it then. Well, why then? Well, their understanding comes from Matthew chapter 5, where it says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. And so, in some ways, that, that kind of makes sense. Okay, the sign of peace, this reconciliation that we, we want to be uni- united, united as we come to be able to offer. And so, there's actually been some movements to be able to say, well, maybe that's where the sign of peace, the kiss of peace should be within the right. And the Vatican actually come back and said, no. Okay, so why? Well, part of their argument is that this should have already taken place even before you came into the church, okay? You should already be seeking reconciliation. You should already ask forgiveness at the beginning, at the Kyrie, right? That's the place to reconcile, to ask for mercy. The sign of peace is something else. So, well, what is the sign of peace? Well, again, going to another Eastern Rite church, uh, church and liturgy, uh, we had, I had a, a, Indian, a priest from India at my home parish, and he celebrated one of his masses, which, again, like, looks very similar. It has the same walls, it has the same ceiling, it, it has couches, right? But it's in a different order and kind of mixed around a little bit to kind of give that analogy, okay? And for their sign of peace, it was actually at the same place as ours, but they did it very differently. The priest actually touched the Eucharist, the, the vessels, and receive the peace of Christ. And then he actually kept his hands like this, and he went to the server, and the server put his hands around, and, and, the, and the priest said, uh, a peace of Christ be with you. Right? And the, the server would receive that peace, and then we'd go to the next person, and the same thing. He would say, peace of Christ be with you. And the person would receive that and say amen and then pass it on. And there was a clear connection of the Eucharist, the peace from Christ, right? Not our peace. We're not saying, hey, I love you. Hey, peace be with you. Hey, good morning. We're saying the peace of Christ. Peace of Christ, which is now here, present in the altar, that we are extending that peace. We're receiving that peace from Jesus Christ that is present and then extending it to the people around us, okay? 
So that's one of the things that we want to understand. The other understanding uh, and the placement for it is because of uh, an intentionality of kind of saying that there's the body of Christ. So the Eucharist, after consecration, that we have the body of Christ here at the altar. But that's not the only place. We speak about that as the body of Christ, and there is a, a special presence and reverence that's, that's uh, there. And, but Scripture also talks about it, and the church also talks about it, that the body of Christ is more than just the Eucharist. And in fact, the body of Christ is more than just Jesus Christ, is that we talk about the mystical body of Christ also being all the baptized members of the church. So we recognize that the body of Christ is here on this altar, but so is the body of Christ out present in this church among all of you. That the head is here, but you are the body. And so there's a recognition with the communion, right, with the Our Father, with praying that in unity with Jesus Christ that's up here, to also then extend the peace and to recognize the presence of Christ around us. Now I say all that to be able to say that there's a lot of significance. There's been a lot of fight. There's been a lot of arguments and there's been a lot of questions to the Vatican and, and to be able to say that the right does change at certain times and there are certain things that we can change and can't change Well, one of the things is that the right of peace can be omitted for certain reasons. We saw that during during the time of COVID uh, and still continue uh, because of the exchange of peace. However, you know, I've been kind of debating it back and forth a lot with myself and trying to talk with some other people who just kind of understand it more. And so I want us to be able to be educated so that we can actually engage with the liturgy as a whole. And I want you to be able to know that, uh, that what the intention of the sign of peace is, partly so that hopefully you can, you know, uh, when we uh, do it, we'll be able to do it correctly, right? Not just as uh, a general kind of hello, but as something more meaningful and impactful in the way that we pray. However, all that being said, we are going to continue to omit it for the time being, okay? Uh, For a few reasons, COVID isn't as much of a convincing thing, right? There's other ways of signing peace than just a sign, uh, than just a shake shaking hand. However, I don't know if the peace sign or, or really uh, necessarily is, is appropriate. Like we're going like, you know, across the church, like, hey, peace be with you. Yeah, bro. Uh, no, it's not quite. Again, it kind of gets us away from the meaning a little bit. And so uh, we're going to continue to omit it a little bit. Uh, and partly, I think sometimes omitting it helps us to recognize the significance. So I want us to be able to talk about it. I do hope that at a certain point, as we continue to talk about the liturgy more, we can hopefully engage in it in a proper way that be able to help us to be able to pray and to be able to engage the Mass. However, even myself, who know the Mass, even within seminary, I recognized it as a difficult part. Even though that I knew the significance of it, it was sometimes difficult to not make it a good morning. Hey, how's it going? Or uh, even to pull us away from the Eucharist or pull us away from prayer. And so uh, for the time being, we will continue to omit it. Again, not for eternity. The church intends us to have it. Uh, So I do hope that we are able to, we will continue to introduce it at some point. However, at this point, uh, just know that it's not accidentally forgotten, right? Uh, There is an intentionality there. And I hope that we can continue to be intentional about all things that we do at this Mass and hopefully continue to learn about all things of this Mass because how we pray affects what we believe and ultimately how we live as well.